Thank you so much for being here. It's a little cold this morning, wasn't it, compared to this week and uh, last week, and it's supposed to be 28 and snowy on Wednesday, so uh, this is the first time you've heard that. Uh, I think one of our crossbridgers, I won't name her name, but Sarah Ealing yesterday asked if it was okay to put away all the snow stuff for her kids, and uh, her comment section was filled with, we know you were in Florida for like the last year, and now you're back, but uh, it's not safe to after Memorial Day to put away snow stuff. And I think that's just a great example of uh, kind of Fort Wayne and Indiana Midwestern weather. But uh, we're just so glad that you're here, here in community, whether you're in person or online. Um, and because we are in a series that is very kind of practical. It's called Fact or Friction. And the reason I say it's practical is because we are walking through four areas of our lives that way um, more often than not, we simply go through the motions in. Uh, they just kind of become comfortable areas that we don't typically stretch ourselves uh, to the next level in. And with our mission statement being transforming lives by helping people take next steps with God, uh, this is one of those series where we're going to provide you with practical next steps to go into those areas that are often just motion areas and stretch us a little bit. And so last week, Brad kicked off the series by talking about friction in our families and provided us with two questions to process. First, what does love require of me? And then second, gave you a question to ask your family members each day this past week, which was, what can I do to help? How can I serve you today? Who took part in that challenge? A few of us. Okay, my front row people, I appreciate it, all right? A few of us did, all right? Um, don't worry, you can try again this next week, asking your family members, what can I do to help? And what's so interesting about those two questions is they go hand in hand. What does love require of me? And then how can I help you? Um, and it is a, uh, just a, a really powerful way of just kind of transforming your mind with your family so that you can become an individual who is servant rather than selfish. And that's something that, uh, that's so cool for us. Um, today, I have the privilege the burden and the opportunity to talk about friction in our finances. Woo! <laughs> We're all excited about that. Uh, and I recognize, I just kind of want to talk about the elephant in the room. I recognize that whenever a church or a Christian or a pastor talks about finances or giving or generosity or saving or money, it can be traumatic. It can be terrifying. It can be um, discomforting. And you may have had a bad experience at a previous church when it comes to money, and that's why you're here at Crossbridge. Who knows? Um, maybe it's one of those experiences where you just don't like to address financial friction in your life. And I just want to call out the elephant in the room because it is as traumatizing for a pastor to come up here and talk about money, knowing that it is a tough crowd to impress and to impact for the kingdom of God in this area. And so what if we just give each other grace for this whole conversation, where I might say something that frustrates you, and you might hear something that frustrates me, and we can just give each other grace in this uncomfortable topic, because I truly believe, and here's the fact for today, I truly believe that, if, that this is an area, money, that if you get it right, it will be revolutionary for you your family, your friends, generations to come, and most importantly, the kingdom of God. That's what I believe. 
But then there's another fact I want to share. I believe this is an area that if you get it wrong, it will destroy your life. You've heard the proverb, money is the root of all evil. And that's so true. Where if you go back to chasing the times that you chased money versus chasing God, it often led to destruction. And it brings up this other fact that friction will either lead to one of two things, either growth or destruction. Friction will either lead to growth or destruction. Friction in and of itself is not a bad thing. That's why we're talking about the friction in our lives. You see, when they make diamonds and perfect pearls and stuff, it requires tension, it requires friction, pressure for it to turn out beautiful. Same with exercising. Speaking of exercising, this last week was a tough week for me, uh, and it's why I'm sitting right now. Uh, I pulled a muscle in my back while exercising on Thursday, and I could not move yesterday. And I woke up at 4 a.m. not moving this morning. And I wonder, is this what it's like to get older? Here, let me ask. Hey, Brad, 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 it is, all right. So I got that confirmed. And so I'm sitting for part of the message today. I say part of it because the Holy Spirit is going to move in me. And if you know me, you know I can't stay seated. And I'll just, uh, I'll just work on the adrenaline and then be crashed for the rest of the day. But, um, you know, it's that friction and, and exercising and, and all that. When you put your muscles to the test, they grow stronger. But at the same time, friction can also lead to destruction. And it will consume and destroy your lives if not handled appropriately. And so we're going to talk about this topic. We're going to wrestle through this topic. And I want this to be a, a, a confident topic, a comfortable topic in an uncomfortable way. Because we want something for you, not something from you. This isn't a message where we want your money. I want you to place your money in God's hands and watch the friction turn to growth. But... Before we do that, if you were at the money sermon I did last year, it's funny how they make the young millennial teach on money every single time. If you were at the money sermon last year where I talked about two cents, I did something that no Crossbridge had ever done where I showed you my outline. And I did that so that you could know and would know exactly where I was going today. So that you would have no blind spots. You would not experience any trauma going into this message. And so our wonderful uh, slide person, James, he's going to throw my outline on the screen, and we're going to walk through it real quick before the message. So in this outline, we have the welcome and the recap series. Then I made fun of Bradley for being old. I shared my outline. I'm going to pray for us. Then I'm going to read a passage about young blood. Then I'm going to talk about that's a lack, Jack. Discourage is courage getting dissed. Did you know that? Then I'm going to share a tongue twister, a very wordy theme, four for four, not steak and shake for all my hungry people on there, King Kong or Godzilla, Taffy Trev's question, an ouch verse, and then closing with basketball and one. Sound good today? We feel good? All right. And that is the exact outline I have up here. There's no jokes. That's what we're walking through. So uh, here we go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you're so good. I thank you for humor. I thank you for uh, your grace, your strength. And even pulling back muscles to remind us that we aren't, uh, we aren't you, that we require you. And uh, God, this is going to be a fun message today. And I just pray for your words to be said, your words to be heard, and God, that growth and life change happens. In your name I pray, amen. 
Well, I want us to turn, see that didn't take long for me to get up. I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 19 where we are going to walk through a young, rich ruler. An individual who was blessed at a very young age with money, with wealth. And he goes up to Jesus and he has this conversation with Christ. He says, hey Jesus, I want to know what I must do to inherit eternal life. And it's a question you might have processed before. And uh, just kind of wondering, what are the things I've got to check off? What are the to-do lists? And here's how Jesus responds in Matthew chapter 19. Uh, Jesus says this. We're going to pick it up in verse 16. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Jesus, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus answered. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He required. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? What do I still lack? And I want to pause there for a second. What do I still lack? When I was reading this passage this past week, that question stuck out to me. And I actually think it's a question that a lot of Christ followers process throughout their lives. Because you may be an individual who's very logical, who's very analytical, who loves to check off the things to do. Maybe you have a to-do list every single day. And this is what this young man, he brings forward his relationship with God. He says, hey, Jesus, I've kept the commandments. I've done the things that are required of me. I haven't murdered anyone the last time I checked. I've honored my mother and father. I haven't stolen anything. What do I still lack? You see, that Greek word lack is hustereo. Hustereo. And it literally means to fall behind, to fail. And it is the same Greek word used in Romans chapter 3 where Paul writes, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so this young, rich ruler approaches Jesus. He says, hey, Jesus. What do I still lack? Why do I still feel empty? There's this disconnect, this tension that the young ruler brings to Jesus. And this is how Jesus responds. He goes on to say this in verse 21. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad. Because he had great wealth. When the young man heard this, he went away sad. Because he had great wealth. He walked away discouraged. Did you know that discouraged is just courage getting dissed? I was working on that joke all week. Didn't get enough laughter. We'll try again for second service. We've got to write that note down. But anyway, this young ruler, he walks away discouraged because he was very wealthy. He was an individual who had all those check marks. He still felt empty, but he recognized that his wealth was stopping him from a true, genuine relationship with God. When he heard that, he walked away sad. And when, we, when I looked up the Greek word for wealth used here, it's possessions. Because back in their time, the more land you had, the more cattle you had, the more property you owned, that's what defined wealth. 
very different in our culture. Some people have more than one house, houses, and that, and that might be a similar situation definition. But something we must understand is that if we are living here in America, working in the middle class, even lower class, compared to the rest of the world, we are wealthy. A large percentage of people across the world live off of one or two dollars a day, which is a heartbreaking statistic, according to one day's wages. And so if we are living here, if we are here now, we are considered the wealthy people that Jesus is talking about. And then his disciples hear this and they're astonished. They say, yo, Jesus, we got a question for you now. So Jesus carries on this conversation with his disciples after this individual walks away discouraged. And Jesus says this in verse 23, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. And they asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And then Peter starts to wonder a few things because he realizes he's been generous. And so Peter says this, We have left everything to follow you. What then will be there for us? And Jesus doesn't rebuke him. Jesus actually provides us with a reward. He's like, hey, this is probably a question a lot of people who are sacrificially generous wonder. So Jesus says this, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on the glorious throne, you who have followed me will sit on twelve thrones. He's talking about the disciples. Judging the twelve tribes of Israel. But then in verse 29, he gives us our reward. Jesus says this, And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or fathers, or mothers, or wives, or children, or fields for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much, and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And many who are last will be first. Many who are first will be last. And many who are last will be first. Jesus walks us through and exposes the financial friction in our lives. And that's a fun tongue twister. Say it with me. Financial friction. Financial friction. Say it five times. All right, we got the front row people again. I appreciate that. All right, financial friction, where Jesus says it's not wrong to be wealthy. Jesus says it's not wrong to have money. It's not wrong to be rich. All Jesus says is that it is very difficult for you to have a lot of money and enter the kingdom of God. He says it's not impossible, for all things are possible through God. You can have wealth and still be a strong disciple for Jesus. Money in and of itself is not the problem. But it does cause friction. It does cause tension. And like we said earlier, friction will either lead to growth or destruction. Having money, having a house, having possessions, having a car is not what makes you a sinner. But Jesus says this, it is so much easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter eternity because of what money does to us. And because the majority of us, if we're being honest, will lean into wealth, will dwell on wealth, will chase wealth versus 
chasing sacrifice, chasing generosity, chasing giving, using that money for other people. And so then Peter asks, he says, hey, Jesus, what's in it for us? And Jesus doesn't shy away from this question. He says, those who are generous will receive 100 times what they have on earth. That's the friction. You can either be blessed here on earth or you can be blessed in heaven, but you can't have your cake and eat it too. And sometimes you can't afford the cake, so you shouldn't buy it. Joke number three, swing and a miss. And so we got all of those situations. And it brought up this, um, this truth that God placed on my heart of when we're dealing with friction and we're dealing with finances is this, is that trusting humanity with wealth, with money, is God's gift to us. That's his gift to us. It's not sinful, it's not wrong. But trusting God with our giving, with our sacrifice, and with our money is our gift back to him. And that's where the friction comes in. And you might be saying, okay, Jordan, if I just made a little bit more, then I'd be able to give more. Well, you might have heard the famous rap song that I shared last year, Mo Money, Mo Problems. It doesn't matter how much money you have, you're still going to struggle with the giving part of things. Trusting humanity with wealth is God's gift back to us. It's God's blessing for us. It's not wrong. It's not sinful. It's not wrong to have nice things. But trusting God through our generous giving is our gift back to him. And so you might be processing some of those areas. You might be saying, I'm struggling. I've got areas in my life. I'm in debt. I'm in no place to give generously. I'm in no place to give sacrificiously. And there's often four areas or four reasons why I believe we often choose destruction over growth when it comes to financial friction. And the first one is this, is a lack of budgeting. And this is an area that I am extremely passionate about. You might have heard this before, but I want to just, uh, you know, give you the knowledge that I truly believe if you make any income, whether it's allowance every week as a teenager, or you've got your first job at 15, or you've got a salary-paying job, whatever it might be, you need a budget. That is something I truly believe. And a lack of budgeting will lead to financial friction. And if you choose to not budget, you're wasting money in so many different areas and you're choosing destruction in your finances. The second reason is this, a lack of healthy spending and a lack of healthy saving. And here's what I mean by unhealthy spending. You might say, well, Jordan, I live paycheck to paycheck. Most people who say that in my lives, when I ask to look at their bank account and see where they were spending and what they're saving, they might have gone to Starbucks every single day this last week. Or for the new hype, they might have gone to Evolve Nutrition every single day this last week. And if you're like me, I went three times this last week. I worked it into the budget. I'm addicted, and I'm okay saying that. But so many of us don't budget the money we spend, and so it leads to lack of unhealthy spending. And when we truly break it down, you're not living paycheck to paycheck. You need to just cut some areas in your lives that are unnecessarily. Now, some of us who are living in poverty, may truly be living paycheck to paycheck after they give all of their sacrifice. We'll talk a little bit about that in a second. Third area is this that I believe leads to financial friction is a lack of generosity, a lack of sacrificial giving. See, for me, I don't separate these. I believe that if you are not giving, you are going to experience financial friction. 
That's what this young ruler uh, lives out. He comes up to Jesus. He says, what do I still lack? Jesus says, you're not given. You're wealthy. You're rich. Why aren't you helping the poor? Why aren't you relieving relieving them of their suffering? Like we see in Psalms. Your book, your Hebrew book, the Old Testament that you study, young ruler, why aren't you using your money for the good of those who are hurting? A lack of sacrificial giving. Not just giving comfortably. We see that in Mark where the widow goes up and she gives all she has, her two cents. But before that, all of the rich rulers put large sums of money in the temple, in the temple bags. Jesus says it's not even about how much you give. It's about what you're giving in a sacrifice. And then the fourth area that leads to financial friction is this. Chasing wealth. Chasing money. Serving money. And this is often one of those areas that kind of becomes touchy because I believe in investing. I believe in having retirement funds. I believe in making sure that we are setting ourselves up, our kids up, our families up, and our futures up for success and financial freedom. I believe in all of that. But if we are chasing wealth, we will never be chasing God. But if you are chasing God, you will be blessed and that's not like a prosperity gospel thing. That's not saying if you do A, you'll receive B from like a materialistic standpoint. That's saying if you're chasing God, you will start to see the blessings in your life be exposed. You'll start to have a safer budget. You'll start to spend more wisely. And then you'll be like, where'd all this money come from? I didn't make more. I just found safer places for all of it. Four areas that lead to financial friction that I truly believe will either lead to growth or destruction. It's kind of like King Kong versus Godzilla. Who's seen that movie? Anybody seen the new movie? A few of us, all right, a few of us, okay? Two really strong, powerful beasts. One of them is the victor. No spoilers. One of them is going to win. Which one is going to have ruling over your heart? Growth? Or destruction. Growth or destruction. And that actually brings me to another passage that Luke writes in chapter 16, verse 13 through 15. This is what Luke writes. Luke writes this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both money and God. You cannot chase wealth before you chase God. Verse 14, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them this, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. But God knows your heart. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. And it brings up this question that I was processing with, uh, with uh, Trevor, our youth pastor, this last week. I was struggling a little bit with the message, and I asked him, I said, hey, what are your thoughts on money? And Trevor said this question that I thought was so powerful. He said, what do your finances say about where your heart is? What do your finances say about where your heart is? If we pulled up your bank statements, if we looked at where you were spending, what you were saving, and what you were giving sacrificiously, would I be able to look at those and be able to tell that you're a disciple of Jesus? Not just me. Let's take the subjective out of this. If God looked at your finances, would God know that you're a disciple of him? If you went to Evolve Nutrition like myself three times this week, were you giving nine times that amount to God? 
What does that look like for you? Because we cannot serve both money and God, and that is a fact in the midst of all of this friction. Money's not bad. Money in and of itself is not the problem. But we are sinful at birth. We are sinful humans. And Jesus says it is easier for a sinful, rich human to make it to not make it to heaven than it is for a camel to go through the needle. I'd like to see that camel going through the needle. <laughs> and that's the truth that we're wrestling with today. And so here's the closing today. Here is what I want us to be processing. I want us to look at this final idea. What would it look like for us as crossbridgers, us as disciples of Jesus, to turn our friction into faithfulness? Our friction living into faithful giving. What would that look like for us? For us to say, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice coffee today. It's only six bucks, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually go through the drive-thru, not order anything, but just pay for the person behind me. What would that look like for us to sacrifice, to give up something, Say, you know what, I wanted to go to this concert, I wanted to go to this movie, I wanted to buy this new thing. I'm going to sacrifice that $200 and I'm just going to give to the poor. I'm going to give to God. Whether it be Crossbridge or another ministry here in Fort Wayne. On our uh, giving platform, on our, actually on our SMAC team, our, our uh, Serving Missionaries and Communities page, we've got four or five missions here in Fort Wayne that we partner with. So if you're like, hey, I give to Crossbridge, but I'd like to give to another ministry too. You can do that as well. What would it look like for us to turn friction into faithfulness? And here's the closing idea, the closing challenge that I want us to be processing. It's called the one for one. One for one. Here's what this looks like. Each and every single one of you, each and every single one of you has a calling from God. I don't know what you make. I don't know what you give. I don't know any of those details. But for one month, I want to challenge each and every one of us to add 1% to our giving. Maybe you don't give anything right now. Maybe you're a 0% giver. I want you for one month to give 1% of your income back to God. Sacrifice it. Maybe you give 10%. Maybe you give 15, 25, 30%. And you're like, wow, I don't know what I, if I, you know, add 1%. For some of us, when you get to the end of the month, you might not have even noticed that 1% gone. Keep it. Let God use you in that sacrifice. Maybe add another percent. For some of you, that might be a tough 1%. You might get to the end of the month of sacrifice. You're like, man, I can't do this anymore. And I truly believe that God is going to honor you in your sacrifice. And he won't be disappointed. Say, hey, well done, my good and faithful servant. You gave me a month. But I truly believe no matter what you make, you can make sacrifices to give back to God. It's all about discipline and choosing to be a disciple for Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, you're so good. We don't deserve you. We can't earn you. But we love you. And we're grateful for you. And God, so I'm going to take part in this one-for-one challenge. I pray that every single Crossbridger who is listening, watching here today will take part in the one-for-one -one challenge.